This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman, and it's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. And we've got a bunch of stuff to cover today, including my Prime Day haul, Photoshop heading to the iPad. We're going to look at Nintendo going after ROM sites. We'll also investigate bezels and why they exist on some of these two-in-one computers. Lossy Atmos over ARC. We've got a viewer question that some of you might be able to help out with. And we'll also revisit the NVMe versus SATA video that I did earlier in the week to answer some more real-world kinds of scenarios with these drives. Lots of stuff to cover. Let's get to it. And before we go further, I want to thank our newest supporter here on the channel, Rick Rodriguez. I want to thank Rick and everyone who's been contributing on an ongoing basis, along with everyone who watches on a regular basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. Now, we don't have an advertiser this week, but in the non-ad section, we have an affiliate link for Amazon's deal of the day. Uh, And that is because even though Prime Day is over, they have this deal of the day section that is sorted out by department. You can always find some... Uh, Really interesting stuff there on sale, kind of like Prime Day, just smaller scale. And I thought it might be fun in this section to show you everything that I got on Prime Day. So let me get my big box out here and see what we bought here. I didn't get all that much stuff, as you can see, but I did get a few things. Uh, The first item is this. I got a UPS. This was the only UPS on sale. I'm going to move the box out of the way here for a second. Uh, This was the only UPS on sale this week. It was... Uh, $62, normally $80, and I needed this for my home theater upstairs. You remember we talked about this last week on the wrap-up, and I needed to get one. I also wanted to get one that can regulate surges and voltage spikes and everything, so I think this one, although inexpensive, should be good enough because I really don't need to keep the home theater on when the power goes out. I really just want to protect all the components there, and it's got, it uh, looks like, six uh, surge-protected and battery-protected outlets, which should be enough for everything I want to protect up there. Uh, so this, again, was $61.95, normally $80. It's a cyber-powered device. Now, if you have daughters like I do, you've probably encountered these before. Uh, LOL Surprise Pets. My daughter loves these things. So every once in a while, we give her one for good behavior and that kind of stuff. And uh, these are normally $20 for the pair. Uh, this was $14 for the pair. So a couple bucks saved on uh, something that we normally uh, have around the house here. I got my wife the 23andMe Health and Ancestry kit. This was going for $99. Uh, typically, this is about 200 bucks. I bought the kit last year uh, because it was kind of fun to see what it came up with. It confirmed a few family rumors that we had, uh, which was kind of neat because we had heard some things, but we weren't sure if they were true, and the test actually confirmed that. And my wife has a much more diverse uh, background genetically than I have, so I'm really eager to see what... Uh, she comes up with on this test, so we're going to have her start spitting into that pretty soon. Uh, not a big deal here, but we always need power strips here on the channel, so I got a pair of these things. Uh, this is these Belkin things, $8.79 for the pair versus normally 11 bucks. Not great, but it was there, and I grabbed it, probably one of the few impulse buys that I had. Um, the other thing that I was looking to get uh, for some of the things that we do here is another action camera. 
I have a Sony action camera that's about four or five years old and the quality of the video is starting to look dated in the sense that, you know, the camera was good for the time it, it came out, but it wasn't so great compared to uh, what I've been using in other shots here on the channel. So they had these GoPro session cameras. Uh, this is the all-inclusive thing that includes the waterproof housing as part of the unit. Uh, and this was $99, and it also came with an Amazon-branded head strap mount. It looks like it might be a refurb because it's coming in a brown box versus their usual packaging, and this is certainly not the newer version of the camera that has image stabilization and everything, but uh, it's good enough for what I need a camera for uh, because I am often, uh, sometimes, using an action camera for shots here or there, and I just wanted something better. Um, the only thing that I'm noticing now with it is that I forgot this doesn't have a uh, HDMI port on it. Because one of the things that I wanted to do is maybe mount it to the ceiling here and just get a straight down shot for certain things. And uh, this one won't be able to do that. So now it looks like I might end up buying another one at some point. But right now it's fine for now. 100 bucks was a good deal, I thought, for that. Again, try not to do too many impulse buys. Uh, I picked up a couple of movies. I got Dunkirk and Blade Runner. Uh, these are two movies I was looking to buy on 4K Blu-ray, and the price was right. Uh, $14.99 a piece versus uh, normally $25 each. They had a few, you know, a selection of movies, not a lot, but enough that I was able to find two things that interested me there. So saving 20 bucks on some movies was good. And then, um, this is the last thing that I got. I am always taking apart computers here on the channel, and sometimes I'm missing that one screwdriver that I need. Uh, so this was on sale during Prime Day. It was, uh, let's see, what did this one cost? This was $12.59. It's about $12.60. Uh, and this has all the different bits that I've been encountering on all these laptops that we take apart. And it's got uh, some other tools, like a little plastic thing to separate the portions of the computer that are stuck together. It's got some other tools in here as well. Haven't yet taken it out of the box yet, but I am uh, looking forward to taking computers apart now with all the right tools. And you can see Let's see if I can get a good shot in here of all the things that it comes with here. This is normally, um, again, uh, $18.99, so I saved some money on that. And I'll put a link to this down below. Not a you know, great toolkit, but it's got everything I need. I'm not typically repairing electronics here, so I don't need the best of the best, but good deal for that. And that was all I got from Prime Day. Not a lot of stuff. I try not to go out and just buy things just because they're on sale. I wanted to get stuff that had some kind of use or something that I was looking for. So let me know, though, uh, what you got for Prime Day down in the comments below. So let's take a look now at the week in review. On the Extras channel, we had a mini review of this little uh, remote-controlled airplane I got in a while ago that you can see on the Extras channel. Also, we unboxed the Acer Spin 1 that we'll be reviewing a little later this week, along with the G-Chic on-lap portable monitor, which is a, a cool little portable display, 11 inches, that has a battery built in. We shot that review. That one's going to be going up in the next day or two as well, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, ridiculously expensive, uh, actually, because that Acer Spin 1 has the same display, essentially, as what the G-Chic has. And I think the Acer with the computer costs less than the monitor does by itself. So you will uh, learn more about it. It's a cool product, but overpriced. And I will be talking about that in the main review that you'll see a little later this week. Uh, we also did some reviews and other things on the main channel, including a uh, review of the Chewy G-Box, which is a pretty cool-looking computer, but we found its thermal uh, stuff is not as good as the marketing indicated. Their marketing page had all these heat sinks coming off of their processor. When we took it apart, it was just a metal plate, so uh, not the best uh, marketing to reality going on there, but the you know it's a decent Gemini Lake uh, machine, more or less. 
Uh, we also looked at converting your Wise Cam, the $20 security camera, into a uh, basically a generic security camera that works with just about any NVR or DVR out there. And in the video, uh, we linked it up with a Synology surveillance station, so you can check out that in the playlist down below. And we also looked at a Corsair NVMe SSD in the M2 form factor. Uh, it's coming, those NVMe drives, which are faster, are coming down in price. So we looked at that one and compared it to an M2 SATA drive that was running in the same computer to see what kind of speed differences there were. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind. And this is week 73 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And one of the things that I was doing this weekend was kind of catching up on some of my other channels and what they were up to. And I started this one called Dad Pro Tips about four or five years ago, actually around the same time that I started this YouTube channel, uh, because my daughter was born about five years ago now, and I was uh, getting in a lot of kid items, and I figured I would review some of those from a jaded dad kind of perspective, uh, because there's not a lot of fatherly perspectives on some of this kid gear out there, and I just didn't continue doing it just because the consumer tech channel, this one, I uh, was doing a lot better, and I really like consumer tech a lot more than I like baby stuff. But I went back to it just to see how it was doing, and I've got a lot of views on this channel, not a lot of subscribers. And I figured, you know what, I'm just going to start uh, with my daughter just reviewing some of the toys and other things that uh, we have around the house. And we get some things in through the Amazon Vine program, like, like what I get for consumer electronics. So I figured it would be a good opportunity to uh, do something with my daughter and get things going. So right now I'm doing the review, but I'm getting her feedback. And eventually when she's ready to uh, be able to you know, devote more time or more attention or focus to this, I'll have her start doing some reviews on her own. So we put up a couple of toy reviews over the weekend, and I may go back through some of the other things we've got laying around the house too. This is not going to take time away from this channel by any means, but it was something where I was noticing a lot of traffic there, and it might be kind of a fun little uh, hobby uh, to go on here. Because what I've been doing with the main channel is um, actually reducing the number of uploads I've been making on this channel just because I was seeing that some videos were going up too early and taking views away from what was already there. So I just decided that what I would do is the wrap-up uh, plus three other reviews here on this channel. And that's been working now for the last couple of weeks. And I've had some actually decent growth. In fact, I think my videos have been doing slightly better by uploading slightly less because one video is not cannibalizing the other as the week progresses. So what I've been able to do, first of all, is get ahead of con on content on this channel. And I've been able to uh, produce more stuff for the extras channel. And some of these quick hit reviews really don't take that much time at all. I've been doing them on the weekend, so it's not really interfering with any of my other work. And it's kind of a fun thing to do with my daughter. And I also took this format and applied it to that little airplane review that we did on the Extras channel because I have an intern uh, over the summer, James, who's been helping out in addition to Corey. So James has been going through my backlog of stuff that's been coming in over the last couple of years. And if it's still being sold, we're just going and reviewing it or at least looking at it to see if it's worth reviewing. And we did find a few items that might make it into a future didn't make the cut video. So stay tuned for that. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye. And Ben Cossett shared this on the Facebook group about the full version of Photoshop coming to the iPad. And this is, of course, big news for folks that really use Photoshop quite a bit and have that expensive Adobe Creative Cloud subscription. But I dumped mine a while ago just because I didn't want to spend all that much money uh, to use an app that I didn't use all that often. So I started looking for alternatives. So on the iPad, there are two photo apps that I use. One of them, I think, is just as powerful as Photoshop and costs a lot less. Uh, so the most powerful one that I found is Affinity Photo. 
Uh, that one costs $14 right now. I guess there's a sale going on, so you can check that out uh, down in the links below. And I also use Pixelmator quite a bit because that's what I use on my Mac for doing all my thumbnails here on the channel. And there's a version on the iPad that allows you to do some light editing. And one of the things I've been doing quite a bit with Pixelmator on the iPad is uh, cutting things out of photos using the Apple Pencil. I can zoom in really far and then get my pencil uh, lined up with the image and get everything cut out as perfect as I can do it. And I found that spending just a little bit of money, basically less than what I would spend on a Creative Cloud subscription for one month, I've got these apps now that I can use forever. And I think that is a much better deal. But if you are someone who's really tied into the Photoshop ecosystem, uh, this might be a really good thing to look forward to just because all the interfaces should be the same. One of the things that Affinity Photo uh, has a bit of a learning curve because the interface is very different than Photoshop. So if you are a Creative Cloud subscription person, this might be something good for you. But for me, I'm going to stick with my less expensive alternative apps because they are getting the job done for me. And then another piece of news that came out this week is that Nintendo has been going after ROM sites again. Uh, this is no surprise, and clearly they are in their, within their legal rights to do so. But they're also going after some online emulators too. And you can see here uh, that Nintendo is uh, putting a cease and desist on GitHub to shut down a JavaScript Game Boy emulator. Apparently, what was happening here is that the emulator was not the issue, but the emulator was also having some games that you could run on it, including Advance Wars and a few other Nintendo titles. So they got the cease and desist, but not the lawsuit that uh, one of the other ROM sites was uh, faced with this week. And now it is time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And we got this question in from Linux Tux friend about our review uh, where we demonstrated Linux running on Chrome OS. And he's wondering why the bezels on the Asus device that we demoed in that video are so large. In fact, we see these big bezels on a lot of these two-in-one devices. This is a, a little two-in-one hybrid called the Chromebook Flip. And the reason these bezels are so big is that you need a place for your thumb. Because what I have found over the years is that not everything is so good at not registering your thumb press on there. So you can see with my thumb here kind of on the border of the bezel and the display, it thinks I'm trying to do a uh, you know, a pinch to zoom function here when I really just want to scroll the screen. You can see everything's getting all out of whack. So they put larger bezels on here to prevent having to have an intelligent way of um, ignoring that thumb press here. So here's my iPad, similar situation here. I've got my thumb resting on there, but the iPad is able to discern that this thumb should be ignored, uh, which is how they've been able to make their bezels a lot thinner. It's actually pretty neat to see uh, how Apple has come along here with this stuff. It's not perfect. Every once in a while you can trip it up, but generally I can pick up my iPad, have my thumb resting on the screen, and it knows that I am not meaning to touch the screen in that area, uh, yet I can scroll and do all the other stuff I would normally do if I had a larger bezel. So really, I think it comes down to engineering time and cost. Uh, it's a lot easier and cheaper to make a large bezel device for a two-in-one than it is to try to figure out a way to uh, be able to detect what the user's intentions are. And I think that is the main difference there. It's also why the iPad costs as much as a, as a regular laptop might, uh, where you can get something like this for a couple hundred bucks less. So, you know, there's always these decisions that are made. And I think one of the things that we'll continue to see on these two-in-ones for at least some time to come are larger bezels. Now, these next two questions came in from my review of that Corsair drive the other day, because one of the things that people have come to expect on this channel is more of a hands-on review. What's the user experience going to be like 
versus just a synthetic benchmark. And uh, both of these folks were kind of disappointed in how I approached that review. And this was actually something that I was thinking about as I was putting it together because one of the hard things on this particular head-to-head -head comparison is actually showing a difference that's going to matter to most users. Uh, unfortunately, really the only way to give you a good sense as to what the differences are between an M2 NVMe and an M2 SATA is to actually run synthetic benchmarks, and pretty much that is the only way to really demonstrate the comparative, because for most uses, uh, an M2 SATA is probably going to be just fine, and if you can get more capacity for less money, and you're not doing anything that really uh, makes use of the high throughput you can get on one of those drives, then you're probably going to be fine with the M2 SATA. One of the biggest jumps you'll ever make is going from a spinning hard drive to an SSD. And in fact, on my gaming machine over there, I've got a bunch of just regular uh, SSD SATA drives in it. I'm not even using NVMe on there. So I think from the standpoint of the user's experience, I think for most users, there's really no immediate need to go to that faster drive unless you're doing things like video encoding or uh, you're somebody who can really notice the difference in load time between loading up you know, Microsoft Word or your favorite game on one drive versus the other. You might see some instances where Windows boots a lot quicker, but generally I think you're going to be experiencing things pretty similarly between these two drives, and the synthetic benchmark was really the best way to show the differences between them. I'd love to get your opinions down in the comments below. There are probably NVMe drives that do perform better uh, for the user, especially when it comes to the random read and write scores, and we found in that review that the two were about the same. Uh, so let me know what you think down below. I know a lot of people are really uh, very positive about the Samsung Evo drives, which do have some really good performance across the board. But again, I think for most people, plugging in a regular SATA SSD is going to be a huge bump in performance, especially if you're accustomed to just running with a spinning hard drive now. Now, our next question comes in from Mike McKeever from the Facebook group, and he's got an LG C7 OLED TV, just like the one I have upstairs. And he's got a new Sony Atmos soundbar that he connected to it that he loves. And it's working, I'm guessing, with some of his other home theater gear. But the TV is not outputting Atmos back down the cable to the soundbar using Netflix. Apparently, Netflix has a compressed uh, version of Atmos that it uses that is compatible with the audio return channel feature that is built into that television. Uh, lossless audio doesn't have enough bandwidth on that ARC to work, but if you have a uh, compressed version of uh, Atmos audio, apparently it is working with the C7 only, and I found out that it works with the C7 only because owners of the C6 are really upset. Uh, the C6, of course, was last year's model, and what's been happening is that uh, the C6 is not getting the Atmos support that the C7 has now. Presumably, it's just a firmware update to allow that audio to work uh, through the ARC or be supported on the television. And it looks like LG is only supporting the current model, not the previous year's model. And every year, of course, they come out with a new television. And this WebOS thing that they've installed on these TVs was apparently an effort to uh, kind of standardize the operating system across different versions of their televisions, but it looks like they are supporting things differently. And I think it's absurd that if somebody wants Atmos support that they have to buy a new television to get it, especially if their TV is only a year old. So now they're resorting, the customers are resorting to petitioning uh, for Dolby Atmos support on the prior versions of that television set. I've often wondered if there was a future for set-top boxes, but I think there is, given the fact that your television is largely obsolete the minute you unbox it, uh, because once the manufacturer has something newer and shinier that they want to sell to people, the profit motive to support the old models is gone. 
But in any event, our Q&A for you this week is to help Mike out because uh, he's got the C7. It should be passing Atmos audio over to that sound bar, and it's just not for him right now. So if you have any thoughts on that, uh, let me know or him know uh, down in the comments below or on the Facebook group because it looks like it should be working and there might be a setting somewhere that he might be missing. And our channel of the week this week is a YouTube channel but also an annual event called Kansas Fest and it's something that I hope to get to at one point in my life. Uh, this has been going on now for 30 years and it's a gathering of Apple II enthusiasts. So when it began, it was actually people that were using Apple IIs when they were still being manufactured but now it has become a group that keeps them going all these years later. And it takes place every year at Rockhurst University in Kansas City, Missouri. It's about a week long, and you've got a bunch of people coming in with keynote presentations about uh, the 8-bit days and how everything worked back then, but also a lot of cool new projects people are doing with their Apple IIs now. And they live-streamed a lot of that event, uh, which you can find here, and they also upload some of the keynotes from uh, prior years too. So if you're interested in 8-bit computing, definitely check it out. And what's been kind of fun about this event is that it's now more than just Apple II people attending. It is an Apple II event, uh, but there are a lot of Atari fans and Commodore fans that also come out to this as well. Everyone's put their uh, computing platform differences aside now in the future, and everyone enjoys t uh, keeping those 8-bit computers working. So definitely check out Kansas Fest if you can. So this week, we've got a couple of things to look at here on the channel. The first is that we got in on loan uh, the Acer Spin 1, which we'll be reviewing uh, probably later this week, so be on the lookout for that. James just did his uh, testing on that one. We also have that G-Chic monitor we'll be looking at. Hopefully yours doesn't electrocute you like their marketing photos suggest it might, and we'll be looking at that one. We're also going to be looking at something a little more expensive from PTZ Optics. This is a PTZ cam for video production, and I've been looking at uh, you know, I'm always looking to make my, my setup here better because it's not the best. It's good enough at the moment. And I wanted to get more flexibility for how things look and also some more flexibility in camera control. And this new camera they've got here is one that uh, is kind of a revision of one that they've already been out with. But it incorporates now the new tech NDI standard, uh, which allows you to plug this thing in with a single cable to your network. It supports power over Ethernet and then can deliver the HD output to my TriCaster here, but also to OBS and other compatible applications uh, just using IP. It is really a remarkable technology. And we'll be looking at this camera and all the things that you can do with it because it also supports traditional HDMI and SDI outputs. And I'm also thinking about doing a video talking specifically about NDI and what a game changer it is not just for production professionals with expensive equipment, but also people that are streaming just stuff out with OBS and other things on a budget because this technology is uh, an open technology and available and accessible in a way that uh, I think is really something a lot of people should consider using to make their lives easier. So we'll be talking about uh, some production stuff this week because we haven't done any production videos in a while. So let me know what you'd like to see in those down in the comment stream. If you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a one-time or monthly contribution to the channel. We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you sign up for a Plex account, no credit card required, we get a small commission. If you decide to get a Plex pass or gift it to somebody else, we get a larger commission for that. We also have a number of channels that you can find me on. The Extras channel, of course, which is at lon.tv extras for unboxings and supplementary content. We've got the podcast at lon.tv slash podcast where we've got audio versions of this show and a few other things that you can find there. We have the Snippets channel, which are search-friendly snippets from this video and others that I do. 
And what I'm about to embark on is starting to do more snippet uploads to other places. So I'm now putting this content on LinkedIn. Uh, we're also putting it on the Facebook page. And if the video is small enough, we're putting it on Twitter as well. Trying to get more value out of the weekly wrap-up. It takes us all day to put it together on Mondays. And I figured we should do more with it than just a single 30-minute uh, YouTube post. And we have an archive of my live streams at lawntv slash live streams. If you want to be notified anytime something happens here on the channel, you can click the bell and get notified as to when we go live or do anything else. And, of course, you can engage with the channel on my email list at lawntv slash email. This is a very infrequent email that I send out whenever there's something big happening. We have our Facebook page at lawntv slash Facebook, the Facebook group where you can interact with me and 300-plus other people at lawntv slash Facebook group, and we have the store where I resell things that I've previously reviewed here on the channel so you can get new stuff at a good deal. And I notify you when those things happen at lawntv slash store alert. So that's going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. As usual, keep those questions, comments, and suggestions coming because they really do help guide what we do here on the channel. Very interested to hear what you might want to see out of that NDI video, which we'll probably shoot a little later this week. So let me know down in the comments below. And until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, Tom Albrecht, Bill Reiner, and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lawntv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lawntv slash s.